Is being gay a sin? I mean, a same-gender couple that loves each other commits to a monogamous relationship with each other and lives together as long as any heterosexual married couple, as some friends of mine have done, are they bound for eternal damnation just because God hates same-sex attraction and people who act upon that attraction? That's a question I hear a lot on my social media. I hear a lot from Christians, the Bible is clear about homosexuality and they point to passages in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1, passages that some of us have started to say, that's anything but clear. And it also doesn't seem to fit the character of God. Those are dangerous questions to ask, but very important ones because it's the determination of whether we should go to a gay person and say, don't be gay anymore. Pray that God will take your same-sex attraction away or even more cruel, like, okay, so you're going to have the same-sex attraction, but don't ever act upon it in loving or reaching out for intimacy to anybody else. It's a really important question. Is the Bible clear? My guest today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast has done a lot of research on it and is now making a movie about it. It's going to be coming out soon and it's going to make a lot of impact because she says if you really do the research, the Bible doesn't say what Christians say that it says, which is one of my favorite commentaries that I do on a regular basis. Rocky Roggio is making a movie. It's called 1946 The Movie. And she says she has proof that the Bible does not say consensual, loving, gay relationships are hated by God at all. You're going to want to hear this podcast. So join me in talking to Rocky. But first, let me invite you to be a part of this community that we call Pastor Paul's Ministry and the Nonpartisan Evangelical Community. We're going to be making some changes and doing a lot of different things to just improve our interconnectivity as a community. And I want you to be a part of it. This is what I do for a living as Pastor Paul, creating content, coaching, doing all these things. And, and I make my living not by traditional ministry means of passing the plate or asking financiers to donate I ask you to be a part of the community and subscribe in that community through my nonpartisan evangelical Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast is the page where you can subscribe. You can go to my website, pastor-paul.com and find it as well. But Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash NPE podcast. I want to get 3,000 subscribers to help me not only earn a living, but get some help so I'm not staying up all night and all day, 24 hours a day, trying to produce the content and do the logistics and do all the things that we have to do to keep this ministry and service going forward. Would you help? Patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast and ask someone else to help or give, give them uh, the, the gift of a subscription because it's not just a gift you're giving. You're getting a subscription to a community where you have access to our podcast early before everybody else gets them. Special podcasts that we do just for our patrons alone. In fact, 
Rocky Rogio and I did a discussion that if you're a Patreon member, you would already have heard about her life that brought her to this point of making the movie. Patreon.com slash NPE podcast. Would you be a part of helping to spread the message that God is not mad at the world? And he's certainly not mad at you. I'd love you for it. It would mean an awful lot. If you can't help, let me know and we'll try to hook you up anyway. But I appreciate all the support you can get. And it starts for just as little as $5.99 a month to get all the cool stuff. All right, I'll see you there. Patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. Now on the podcast, let's talk to Rocky Rogio, the maker of 1946, the movie here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. One of the things I, I like to do is investigate unique conversations about God and spirituality and Christianity and what we're doing. And one of the things that I hear more often probably than than any other in, in these journeys as we're talking about deconstruction, reconstruction, all these things, people are, are will say, and what I felt a lot in my life was, I know God doesn't hate homosexual people. And any Christian would say, yeah, he doesn't hate anybody, but he doesn't hate who they are and who they love and what they do and and what any of us do. But there was always sort of this hang up of like, yeah, but the Bible seems to say he does, if I can talk about God in patriarchal terms. And, uh, you know, so some of us, and I think for me, I just sort of made it, you know, hey, I, I've met gay Christians. I accept that they're Christian and I'll let God work the rest of it out. And then I've been working through this idea of is the Bible at at, at war with that idea? And uh, so I have a great guest today that's going to talk with us about that, because I think this is a question for a lot of us as to how we deal with the Bible as sort of post-evangelical Christians and homosexuality being kind of one of the biggies of the the sin issues, if I can say it that way, in evangelicalism. This is an issue we have to deal with and how the Bible speaks to this. And our guest today, Rocky Rogio, has a movie coming out dealing with this topic. And so I thought she would be a great guest to talk with us on the topic. So Rocky, welcome to the podcast today. I'm glad to have you on. Hey, thanks, Pastor Paul. It's awesome to be here. <laughs> so you are making a movie called 1946, the movie, and, and and so you heard kind of my setup there. And is your movie sort of dealing with the topic that uh, that I alluded to here in the uh, the intro of the podcast? One hundred percent. And the most exciting thing about the movie, the researchers who actually did the work to ask the question, who could make this decision and why to put the word homosexual in the Bible? How did it happen? They both are really love the Lord, really love scripture and are true Christians. And so they were coming at this question with a real wanting the answer, no matter what it revealed. And having that line drawn at, if I can't prove this through scripture, then what we are hearing in society is the case. It's a sin. Uh, and so they went into this research with those underlining, you know, that's, that, that was their line. And so what they discovered has been amazing. And that's what we're going to reveal in the movie. And so when did this research happen? When did, when did this begin? Sure. So it started for Kathy Boldock, who's our lead researcher 
over a decade ago when she first was going through a divorce, became friends with a lesbian woman on a hiking trail. After three years of just doing relationship and being her friend, instead of trying to evangelize her, since she was going through a divorce, she didn't want to be hypocritical. And she developed this friendship with this woman that led to one day the woman being like, look, I'm a person of color. I'm a woman and not even God loves me. And Kathy was just like, what? You know, what do you mean? I love you. How could God not love you? And it led her to looking for bigger questions and digging into the Bible. And through that, she was the one who was like, it was 46, the RSV team. Meanwhile, we have Ed Oxford, who is our gay Christian, who grew up in the church, went to school to be a missionary, spoke, speaks Japanese, also Greek and Hebrew. He went to seminary school. Like he is a legit, loves the Lord, but his whole life he was suicidal because he knew he was same sex attracted. He couldn't tell anybody because it didn't really fit in with his his world reality and everything he was hearing in the church or homosexuals are dirty, they're wrong, they're bad. And it just didn't really line up with him. Uh, and so he hid it for a really long time. And when he was in his forties, and this was in about 2014 ish, 16, somewhere around there, somebody was like, look, you know, you really need to go hang out with gay Christians because you can't put away this God side and you can't put away the gay side. And that was like, what are you talking about? Gay Christians. And that led him to learn about the Gay Christian Network, the Gay Christian Fellowship, which now Kathy is a part of and she is presenting. And so he's sitting in a class and he hears this 1946 thing, which led him to be like, well, wait a minute. The word homosexual wasn't in the Bible till 1946. And that led him to self-finance all of this research where he learned the archives were at Yale University. He started buying old Bibles, lexicons dictionaries from multiple languages from all over the world to get to the bottom of what is this translation and what does this really mean? Uh, and, and again, that bar was like, if I can't prove it through scripture, then I know that I'm just never going to be changed and I'm born with same sex attraction kind of thing. And so as they were going through the evidence, just like a justice scale, they started laying out the facts. And once you have a, a fact, you put it in the pile, affirming, non-affirming. And after time, he's like, I can't not be affirming anymore. Um, and so through that, going to the Yale archives, they were actually able to prove their theory that this was a cultural decision and ideological and had no theology behind it. It's, that's interesting. So, you know, we're talking about Romans 1. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I guess, 1 Timothy 1. Those are kind of the New Testament passages. And... And so is that, yeah, were they going back to the original Greek uh, and, and looking at the writing of the Bible? And do we do we deal with the Hebrew of Leviticus and those things? 100%. Yep. Okay. We have to go back to the original. And then from the original and the Hebrew, we look at the Septuagint, which is where we believe Paul coined the word arson and koitai from the Levitical passages using arson and koitai. Uh, and those are very important clues. But a big clue that came up is when we see arson and koitai being used in the Old Testament in Numbers and Judges, where it's men lying with women. So it's not just always men lying with men. So it does not mean homosexual. And in these Numbers and Judges verses, it's men actually raping and abusing women. Um, so it's always about abuse. It's always about exploitation. These themes are very common. And so again, they just... We're looking at the evidence, going back to the original, and then and not only going back to the original, like, so yes, we have to go all the way back to the original, the original Hebrew, the original Greek, and then during that time period, and then we see where we're at today, right? 
but we have to look at everything in between. You can't just go back 2,000, 3,000 years and then look at today and think you're gonna have all the answers. So what Kathy does is she definitely lays a foundation of 2,000 years of history seen through multiple lenses of how the LGBTQ community has been discriminated through the church. And so as she lays this foundation over time, we're looking at what's going on in the Bible, what's going on in politics, what's going on in history, what's going on in language, what's going on in words. How do the words change? How do they get into the culture? Like the word sodomy, for example, and sodomite. Now it definitely can, you know, people can say, well, that means homosexual, but it didn't always mean homosexual. So we have to look at these things and we have to evaluate the entire time period. So that's interesting. And, and let me make sure everybody's following here. So are those are those the only three verses in the New Testament we're talking about where Paul the writer uses the word arsenikoitai that, that is now translated homosexual in, in our versions of the Bible? It's in 1 Timothy and 1 um, Corinthians where the word arsenikoitai okay. is used. And Romans... And that's not a word used anywhere else in the Bible. Correct. Yeah. And then the interesting thing is, is in 1946, when they translated 1 Corinthians to be homosexual, they didn't translate 1 Timothy to be homosexual. And it's the same wow. exact language. And so, and that's part of the letters that they discovered at Yale. They're like, you didn't change 1 Timothy. Why did you change Corinthians? And literally the translators were like, oh, you know what I mean? They're just like, well, we just put Malakoy and Arsenikoita together and homosexual. It's a modern term. And they did the work in the 30s. And in the 30s, a homosexual was a homosexual vice. It was a rapist, same as like the sodomite, where that would that word be, came into the culture to mean something negative. It's not orientation. It's not a love, homosexual love. You know, these are abusive words. And so, when the translators were challenged with these questions, they actually admitted, "No, we're not talking about the ones who are born that way. We're talking about the ones who abuse." And so, when they had a chance to correct it, they corrected it. They took the word homosexual out. But meanwhile, there were three other modern English translation teams working on their version of the English Bible. They all used the RSV as their root. No one was talking about this and they put it into their Bibles. Again, we don't see malice in those translations. It's just, it's of the culture. Well, that makes sense, homosexuals. And we can also see a long history of the church creating another. There always has to be another. And I hope you're enjoying this podcast. Can I interrupt just for a second to tell you about all the cool things that we do through pastor-paul.com and my nonpartisan evangelical podcast? For instance, did you know I do a hearing God moment, a time of, of group meditation and, and hearing from heaven together every Wednesday morning on TikTok and on YouTube? Did you also know that every Saturday I release a Bible teaching called Pastor Paul's Bible Talk? And once a month, my wife and I, my wife who's the former mayor of Fresno, we talk religion and politics in Paul and Ashley Live. For you to know when all this stuff is coming down the pike, as well as our discussion groups and seminars, the coaching I do, all the information that goes on around the Pastor Paul community and the nonpartisan evangelical family, you can find out by signing up to my newsletter. Go to pastor-paul.com. Right there on the homepage of my podcast, there's a place you can fill in your email address and you'll get caught up every week on what's going on around Pastor Paul and the nonpartisan evangelical community. And you'll get inspirational things from me, writings, blogs, quotes, things you can't get 
without being part of our newsletter family. So pastor-paul.com, sign up today for the Insider's Newsletter, and you'll never miss anything coming down the pike for Pastor Paul and the nonpartisan evangelical community. Go sign up now, pause this video and get there, and then come back and watch the rest of our interview on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. And the LGBTQ community is the next in a long list of others. So it, yeah. it, it wasn't even a question. It, you know, and now then by the 80s, when gay liberation is is strong and women's rights and all this stuff, the church never needed to look back because they have all the answers they need in black and white. It's, look, it says it right here. Homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the interesting about the Romans passage is that we don't see the word homosexual enter that passage until 2017. Because uh, it was always just uh, exchanging the natural for the unnatural. Right. One translation version, I'd have to look it up um, in our notes to see exactly what that, that Bible was. Um, but now today we'll see the word homosexual in nine different passages, depending on what version and publication. Um, but there's really only six that we focus on that are the, sh the ones that are highlighted most in the church. Right. Six, six passages in the Bible that we build a theology of homosexuality around, uh, which first off I say, it's obviously not a major thing in the Bible that we've made it into a major thing. Um, and I would say on Romans one, it's clear to me, he's talking about a temple worship style, not homosexuality as as a, a, a life style or life choice, which I hate those words and I'm sorry to use them, but of course. Yeah, what, what the Christians would look at it as. Um, well, so really we're, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rocky. No, for sure. It's when you look at the language of the Romans passage, it says that their women exchanged the unnatural. Right. Men owned the women. They were married to them, you know? So these are married couples going in. They were, you know, practicing these orgies. It's, it's, it is very obvious. So thank you for recognizing that. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, the sin of Romans one is not verses 25 and 26. It's verse 23, which says they, they worshiped the created rather than the creator. And it talks about birds. Any Roman reading that book when they were in the days that Paul wrote, it would have said, oh, he's talking about the ISIS temple down the road, not about the lifestyle. So let's let's eliminate that. But then we have uh, Timothy and Corinthians. And what was the English word before we translated it homosexual? Do, do you know? So the New King James was abusers of themselves with mankind. Okay. So, and then before that, it was catamite, sodomite, um, effeminate, the malakoi is the effeminate, the catamite, the male prostitute. So that would be the person on the receiving end. But that doesn't necessarily mean, again, that it's consensual, that it's loving, it's committal. You know, these were things going on in the ancient world that we don't do today. Whether it's it is a, a temple prostitution thing or a young boy and a grooming pederasty was very popular during the time, um, but you'll notice all of the times we see the language, it's always talking about how men use their bodies and how what they do with their bodies because they didn't care what women did. Women were owned; they were property. Like it's all about cisgendered heterosexual men and what they should or should not do with their bodies and how they were abusing people, um, and so. The arsenokoitai is the active participant. Uh, and so even if during those times, if you were the arsenokoitai, you were in a better place in society because at least you weren't the one receiving it, which was way worse. So it didn't really matter 
during those times where you put, you know, just it's uh, anyway. So. so we're talking to Rocky Rogio. She is the director and producer of 1946, the movie, movie that deals with the, the biblical translations of homosexuality that have that are at the center of so much of Christian belief of how we deal with with human beings. And what would how did you get involved with making this movie? What what uh, inspired you to jump into to making the movie? And I know you're in the midst of fundraising for it right now, so it's not an easy process that you're jumping into here. Yeah, so I kind of stumbled upon this research. I My dad is a pastor. I grew up in the church. There were, were a lot of holes in the doctrine that I was presented as a child, and so it never really resonated with me. But then later on, I found out that I was same-sex attracted. And um, so through that experience, my father found out, read my diary, wrote me a 10-page letter using all the clobber passages telling me why I would be going to hell. I immediately left home, as you can imagine, uh, and then spent 20 years trying to navigate a relationship with my family where, you know, I know who I am and I'm not a disgusting, you know, abomination. And so I needed to protect myself. But at the same time, I want to have a relationship with my family. Uh, and so it's been a very painful 20 years, as you can imagine. I can't pray the gay away. And, you know, they need to understand that this is a part of who I am. Um, fast forward 10 years into that, my dad started preaching against homosexuality publicly for the first time. He had an ex-gay convention at his church where people were talking about being saved through Jesus Christ. Wow. It was in New Jersey. And so that's a, it's a pretty liberal state and the news picked it up right away. And, you know, so I was living in Detroit at the time, this is like 2009 and his sister called me to tell me about it. And that was the first time I spoke up publicly about who I am and outed my dad for having a lesbian daughter. It took about five years for us to connect after that little stunt, as you can imagine. Uh, he didn't expect me to send a news team to his house. Um, <laughs> first the news team showed up, then I submitted a, a video to the press. Um, and it's like, look, you know, I love you, but you've got to stop spreading lies about the LGBTQ community. But I wasn't strong enough in my own ideology or theology or, you know, just, I just know who I am, but I can't defend myself because you can't defend yourself against a Christian like that. Who's just, you know, the word is the word and it's biblical and it's truth. Uh, and so I ignored it for another 10 years until I found myself living in Los Angeles, dating a woman who said she wanted us to go to church. She was a Christian. And I was like, really? Okay. So we started going to church. And in that experience, you know, being in like a Hillsong environment or, you know, a mosaic is, is another church out there. Um, but they want to welcome you with radical love and everybody's welcome. But I knew that I wasn't equal. Mm -hmm. And so being welcome, but not equal and feeling lied to in that space really put a spark in me and set, set me on this mission to find affirming theology and challenge the church institution. And so I started getting vocal in the church saying, you know, you'll let me serve the coffee, but I can't run this Bible study. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, Okay, either one, you're lying to me because you know your church bylaws, or two, you don't know your church bylaws, which is even worse. So either way, something something's <laughs> off here. And I ended up getting the bylaws and signed by the pastor in the email. It says, do not share this outside of leadership. And they used all the clobber passages, you know, man and woman, the whole nine. Uh, and so I knew I was being lied to, you know, my um, my fear was solidified. Um 
Are you there? So then how, how did you, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm just playing with all this new software that I have here and, and got a good shot of you, but how did that, uh, how did that then translate into you getting involved with the, with the movie? Yeah. So what happened from there was it led me to learning about affirming spaces, which I had no idea. I had no idea people were already doing this work. Uh, and that led me to go into a class on homosexuality in the Bible, which is where I learned about Malakoi and Arsinokoitai for the first time. And then that made sense. It just clicked. It's like, wait a minute, these are abusive, exploitative. Then I learned about them. Well, I didn't learn about the 1946 mistranslation yet. I learned about Kathy Bulldog. I went home, I binged watched Kathy. And then this was August of 2018. Three weeks after I learn of Kathy, I find out that she's coming into town. She's coming into LA. She's going to do a live seminar the same weekend my pastor, father, and mother were coming into town. Oh, wow. <laughs> and remember, I'm like on this path to try to find affirming theology to find common ground with my non affirming parents. So I was like, hey, mom and dad, will you come to this conference with me? And I started filming. And Ed was there, and I had no idea that they had started working together. Ed's story that we mentioned earlier, um, and the work that they were doing with the translation history. I just knew some of Kathy's other work and the book that she she wrote. Um, so I'm sitting in this conference with my mom and dad as Kathy's talking about patriarchy, penetration, and procreation for six hours. <laughs> but then I learned about this. Awkward, awkward. Like, I mean, you should see the, we have it all on camera. So, but I'm sitting there and I'm just like, it just clicked. I'm, I'm like, this was a mistake and they admitted it. And I know the power of media and I'm a filmmaker. So I immediately, like in that moment, I was like, I have to make a movie about this. This is, this is global. This can change culture. I have to do this. Meanwhile, my dad's sitting next to me horrified and he gets up at the end and he's like, is this mic for questions? Cause I have a question, you know? <laughs> and he's like, can you show me one passage in the Bible that affirms homosexuality, you know, and then they go at it for 10 minutes. But meanwhile, now that I've won Kathy and Ed's trust, the man who wrote the letter, David is alive. That's another reason why I have to get this story now and interview this man and tell this story. So I won their trust and then I won my father's trust. He agreed to be in the movie. He signed a release form and a year later- No way, your, your dad is in the movie in the 1946, 1946, the movie you're making. Yes, as our um, side X lovable antagonist. <laughs> I, I, just let me stop you right there and say, I. I I so admire your ability to do that. That's amazing. At a time when families are being torn apart by theology and ideology, that you can have your dad in this movie, I think says a lot about who you are and, and who your dad is, frankly. Correct. And he would say, if as a pastor, as a side ex pastor, if somebody comes to him for counseling or with same sex attraction, or my child has same sex attraction, his advice is love your child and mm. be in relationship with them. So he's trying, he's doing the best that he can, but he definitely was uncomfortable when we took him to the Reformation Project in 2019. <laughs> and he met Matthew Vines and he met Justin Lee. He met Nicole Garcia. He met Dr. Cheryl Anderson. These are all, you know, big names in this affirming theology arena. Um, he's still not convinced. As a matter of fact, he's doubling down and writing a book on why he believes homosexuality is a sin. Okay. Uh, we'll see if his book comes out, when Kathy's book come out comes out. So Kathy and Ed are also writing a book on what the movie is about, which is the translation history, specifically in America, on how this word entered the modern translations. This is relatively new, which then led to the creation of anti-gay theology. 
Mm. purity culture too, and things like complementarianism, all of this stuff is church created doctrine around feminist issues and LGBTQ issues for them to get a handle on men's roles and women's roles, you know, that's patriarchy. Yeah. And, and uh, so we're going to go a little bit deeper into, into your story and, and, and your discovery in, in your ability to be a gay Christian on our Patreon, Patreon only uh, part of the broadcast. So I invite people to sign up for my Patreon page to be able to get that. I want to finish this podcast though, with your fundraising and when do you, you know, what's going to be the process of getting the movie to distribution so people can see it. Yeah, thank you so much, because that's the only way we're going to get this done. It's time or money. Uh, and so we've raised half of the money. It's a over a half a million dollar project. It's ex very expensive. We definitely need another $300,000 to finish. We could probably get half of that to at least get to an edit point to start submitting to film festivals by August and then spend the rest of the year getting the rest of the money for finishing funds, which is like lawyer fees, insurance fees. We have to make sure we get errors and emissions. So we, we're, we're going to get sued. Somebody's going to sue us. I mean, right. you know, um, and all of those things are very expensive, but and the way to get involved is um, we have links in our bio at 1946, the movie, you can find us on all social media platforms and then Good. you'll find a link to a GoFundMe. We have a fiscal sponsor called women make movies. They're a 501 C three and they're able to accept charitable donations on our behalf. So if somebody wanted to give us a large gift, they can write it off. Uh, and that's how we've been primarily fundraising most of the money. We've had a couple large donors come in to really help us get through principal photography, which has been great. Now we need to get through post-production. So these costs are hard to avoid. In principle, I can actually do a lot of maneuvering because I'm in the film business. So I've got my friends that help, the equipment and all that jazz. The post costs, we can't really hide. You know, We've got illustration, animation, the editor, music, color correction, audio, you know, so... Um, those are the costs that are coming up to get us through August. So again, I think we can do it with about 150. I'm putting it all together now. Um, we probably can do it with 100 because Mary has said she would do music for free for us <laughs> until we can pay her. But I'm not going to do that. We want to raise the money. So actually in June, we're going to be doing something called a peer-to-peer fundraising campaign okay. where people can get involved and to say, hey, I can raise $500. We want to try to get, you know, 20, 30 people on the team to go then find five people that will say, yeah, I can raise $500 for this and see if we can really raise the money in June to finish the movie. And then July and August, apply that money to those line items I just mentioned to finish. So that's our wow. goal. Yeah, we're, well, we're advertising for that soon. It sounds like you're trying to do it with excellence too, which I appreciate and not just kind of put something out there. So that's great. And yeah. And, and finish with it. What do you hope people would come away from the movie understand or maybe feeling, you know, ultimately, what do you want people to feel when they come away from watching your film? Sure. So there are a couple things. It's it's very sensitive material. So we don't want people to to leave the theater and like just lose their religion, lose their faith. You know what I mean? Or they're just like, oh my goodness, we've been wrong for all this time. And my father was wrong and my father's father was wrong and their father was wrong, you know? Um, so it's a really delicate subject. We want people to feel encouraged afterward. We want them to feel edified. We want them to feel inspired to dig deeper. Um, but through that process, my goal is to present a journalistic film that shows both sides that says, hey, this is what we discovered. Look at the people who are doing this work and you'll get to meet us and our drive to tell this story. So you got the personal 
notes where people can then feel connected to the story and the characters. Then we'll present the research that we found. And we're looking right now for a couple opposing theologians to actually tell us what they authentically believe. And we will give them the proper respect that they deserve as an expert and give them the proper time as any other expert, even if they have opposite opinions, so that our audience can then walk away out of the theater and make their own decision. Let them decide for themselves. I love that. Love that. So Rocky Roggio is our guest producer, director of 1946, the movie, and they can find you all over social media at 1946, the movie. That's all it. right. Cool. Yeah. So if you want to hear more from Rocky, I want to hear a little bit more of her story. You know, we do special uh, a podcast for our Patreon community. And uh, so I'll give you some information now how you can join that and hear more from Rocky. But uh, 1946, the movie hoping that it'll start uh, being released toward the end of the year. And we'll keep you updated, of course, on all our social media as well. So Rocky, thanks for sharing the story about the movie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and you having me.